Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. We continue to gain recognition as a great resource for small business, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. From Inc.com to MSNBC's Your Business, Fit Small Business, Proven, People First, a whole bunch of other sites, uh, they are really uh, recognizing this podcast for what it is, which is a resource for businesses to do better things. That's because of the guests who come on, they share their expertise and their time to make sure that you folks have the information that you need. Today, uh, we have someone just like that with us. My guest today is Stefan Pretty. Stefan is a Scottish tech entrepreneur currently residing in Los Angeles. He's given birth to five different businesses since the age of 18. His current brainchild, Subly, has grown to be a six-figure business in less than two and a half years while staying entirely bootstrapped. Stefan is passionate about helping people succeed, doing more with less, and rock and roll. Thank you so much for joining me, Stefan. Thanks very much for having me, Diane. I am so excited to have you here um, because I think it's so interesting to me that um, how, how much and how quickly your company has grown and that it was entirely bootstrapped. So I, I'm... I'm curious, like what I'd really like you to talk about is why you think it's always better for people to rely on their own resources. Uh, okay, very good question. Um, first of all, I wouldn't say it was that fast, <laughs> but that's me going, <laughs> me going through the actual grind itself. Um, 
it always you know you're always looking for for bigger and better at the end of the day so uh, but i appreciate that that's a it's a nice compliment so thank you um but with regards to um why i think uh, bootstrapping is is better and using your own resources it's a multifaceted answer. Um, the, the main one actually is is quite surprising. Uh, I think that it's to do with the fact that when you're forcing yourself to be resourceful, um, you behave differently, uh, especially when you're making decisions. So when you're you know starting out your, with your business, uh, say you raised a, a bunch of capital, and I see this all around me all the time. If you raised, a, say, a million dollars just for the purpose of the conversation, uh, you're going to spend that million dollars in the same amount of time if you had $2 million or half a million dollars. And uh, that means that you're going to make different decisions as well. Obviously, you're making different decisions if you're spending that much money. And y- you may delude yourself to believe that after spending X number of dollars or pounds or insert currency here, you're going to be in a profitable position, which isn't always the case, which means you end up chasing your tail a little bit and having to, you know, raise the next round of financing. Now, I'm not saying that it's not the right way to do it. At the end of the day, it's different, you know, different for everybody. But um, I think a big part of it as well for me is uh, I like difficult things. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I think also there's some, there's some additional credibility that comes from being extremely resourceful. Um, you know, I, I'm lucky. I know how to program and I know how to do design or basic, basic, uh, a basic subset of those skills, uh, you know, jack of all trades and all that jazz. But I think um, it makes you more uh, sensible in the decisions that you make moving forward as well. So say you did raise money later. Uh, I think you're going to be more resourceful with that money as well. I think that is such a great point. I, I, it's interesting when you said how you make decisions is different. And I could picture that, that, that when it's your money, you're potentially going to make um, maybe more discriminating decisions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than if all of a sudden you have this huge pool of money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Because, you know, if you're looking at, um, say, you're reviewing hiring staff or you're looking to choose a tool that's going to benefit your business and you're comparing one versus the other, you're going to factor in that cash flow because cash flow is the oxygen and the, the you know, of your company. It's 100% necessary to have cash flow, especially if you're bootstrapped. So, um, it makes you more savvy, and uh, I think the word that gets thrown around a lot, um, scrappy, which uh-huh. I think is cool. Actually, I think it's a nice way of being. I mean, I, I'm as 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 um, I, you know, you've seen if you've seen our branding, it's rock and roll kind of. It's like uh, there's an element of rock in there, and and I when I was younger, I used to love uh, you know rock music and playing guitar, and I still do love rock music actually, and uh, and I think a bit of it's a bit of rebellion, you know, the whole. <laughs> The whole system of um, raising capital and scaling up stupid rates and all this stuff, it's a lot of it's uh, BS, actually. And also, um, I like to be a bit of a rebel. So I think there's a component involved there. <laughs> it's really, I, I mean, but I, I really love this concept because it also, I guess for me, I feel like it, um, well, you're in your potentially in greater control because you don't necessarily feel like oh, you have yeah. to make decisions, There's, right? Yeah. That, that for the other person, but also um, the money isn't coming in as quickly. So mm-hmm. you have to be more careful. Absolutely. In fact, do you know what? I would, I would almost, dare I say, it, you, you, you're almost forced to be better. Um, 
you know, there's always going to be competitors in the, at the end of the day. There's always going to be a competitor appearing or who already exists. And therefore, when, you're, um, when you've not got loads of cash in the bank, you're not going to rest on your laurels. Let's just say that. You're going to be trying to make the best product you possibly can. You're going to try and, and you know, make better relationships with your customers because every dollar counts. Um, yeah. And, and I think it actually does force you to uh, up your game, which is another yeah. byproduct of it. And you mentioned a really good point there, the control aspect. Uh, I think all entrepreneurs are to a degree uh, control freaks. But, um, yeah. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, one of my mentors back in the day, he said, uh, equity is everything. And this guy was very successful and it, it seared into my brain at the young age I was at. And, um, I think I really took that quite seriously. And, you know, there's that component as well that you don't have to give up equity. You know, yeah. it, there, there's two trains of thought. You could have a 10, say, let's just put, put um, hypotheticals out there. You could have a, you know, 100% of a $10 million business, or you could have 1% of a $100 million business. And they're, you know, effectively the same. <laughs> yeah. And one comes with a lot more stresses. You've got investors to answer to. They're looking for a billion dollars, you know, and, um, you know, both are the same thing at the end of the day, when it comes down to if, if what you're caring about is uh, your lifestyle and, you know, uh, leaving something, a legacy behind for your, you know, your family, et cetera, et cetera, then they're effectively the same thing. I mean, there are obviously, exactly. other, yeah, there's other sides to it as well, though. You know, if you've got a hundred million dollar business, then you've got the glory and the fame as well. <laughs> well, that's true. Of course, then you have everything else that goes along with that potentially, exactly. right? A lot more eyes paying attention to you. Yeah. 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 I don't also just add in there though, the bootstrapping is a, a very difficult path to take. <laughs> it's a, it's a rough road. And I think that although you do have problems and troubles and headaches from raising capital, you're going to experience a different, whole different set of issues and challenges. Uh, and I would say character building uh, challenges um, if you bootstrap. So just to make that clear to any listeners here. <laughs> I think that's, that's really important. Um, and thank you for that, because it can feel, it can sound like it's really, um, there's glory and it's a little romantic and, mm. and it can really be a grind. So. Yeah, it, it's definitely a grind. I can, I can, yeah. tell, I can vouch for it. <laughs> <laughs> First hand, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the comp- the customer a little bit um, mm-hmm. and, and about the importance of putting the customer first. Yes. What, what are your thoughts? Um, it, I think in today's day and age, there is no avoiding giving above and beyond customer service. I think, um, you know, for a business like us, uh, the customer is the product at the end of the day. Um, and I think that's the same for majority of businesses. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of business to business, uh, service based businesses like agencies, for example, but even still it's all about relationships and, um, I think customer service is um, the, the the expectations of customers is ever increasing. You know, when guys like Zappos and um, Amazon paved the way with amazing customer service, it was revolutionary. Now people expect it because these companies have grown to such a point where everybody's using them and everybody now expects that level of service. So there's no avoiding it, to be honest with you. And I think if you're you know considering starting a business, do not ignore your customer support. It is so important. 
it can really make or break a, a business for sure. Oh, hundred percent. You know, reputation is a massive component of a business, you know, and, and therefore you should put your customer front and center. Like, yeah. um, I, I always recall and, and think back to the days where I was literally doing almost everything myself and, um, not that that's changed too much. Um, but back in the day when, uh, you know, I was doing customer support, um, and, it was, I was neglecting it because I was spread too thin and I used to get, you know, I'm a, a quite a, a passionate person and I used to get too emotionally attached to the, the product and, you know, we would get feedback from customers about the product and it would just destroy me. So you have to bear that in mind as well as a, as a founder or an entrepreneur that, you know, if you are having a hard time with customer support and you want to do it yourself, then maybe you have to put mechanisms in place to like, allow you to manage it better and, and actually handle the emotional aspect of it better. Yeah. So I guess, I guess that's like a word of advice. Like, you know, I would consider hiring somebody even part-time just to mitigate it a little bit for yourself. But yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I look back at how poor our customer support was back then and compare it to now, like it's one of our biggest, uh, you know, uh, call it a selling point, but um, yeah, customer support, put the customer front and center at all times. They're the star of the show. Yeah, I like that way of looking at it, too, because I think people, they hear customer service and th there's like a, a, a baseline expectation anymore of customer service, but companies really need to be upping that game and they really need to be putting that customer front and center and all, like the decisions that they make should be around how is the customer going to experience this, whatever yeah, this absolutely. is. Yeah, yeah, because it just telegraphs what they're thinking. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that spreads quickly. Like, people share this yeah. stuff, and that's where the word-of-mouth component actually kicks in. But another thing as well to mention there is that, um, yeah, actually, it's gone. The thought's gone. <laughs> okay, Sorry. it'll come back. Yeah, I'm well, sure it will. Don't think about it, and yeah, it'll come back. And that's the key to that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, you had just mentioned about, you know, how hard it is when you're the founder. It's like this is your baby. And so sometimes it's hard to hear uh, feedback or input that may not be how beautiful your baby is. Mm. Um, but so let's talk some about motivation, because for some people, it, it, it's hard to keep motivated every day. And I would think especially if you're getting feedback that isn't fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've definitely been through the ringer on this one. Um, you know, I, the ironic thing is you're saying there, like, you know, receiving critical feedback or negative feedback is, uh, is hard to hear, especially when you, you know, is your baby. But I think another component as well is that actually, usually, I think the, the founder or the entrepreneur involved is going to be the biggest critic themselves. You know, I look, I look back at our version 0 0.1 or whatever you want to call it. Um, it was embarrassing. Let's just say that it was, it was really embarrassing and I am the biggest critic inside our, our business. Um, and it's really difficult cause you know, as a perfectionist, you just have to like constantly tell yourself like we're, we're working towards perfection and also, um, you know, we're, uh, we're just having to like forgive ourselves a little bit as well. There's a bit of a, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's okay. It's not perfect as long as we get it out there and it benefits the customer at the end of the day and that these improvements that we're making, we roll them out quicker rather than 
polishing it to absolute perfection and uh, delaying the benefit to the customer. So there's that component as well. But um, yeah, I think um, in terms of the motivation aspect, uh, I can recall a, actually a story I can tell you here. Um, so when I was uh, the first year I came to uh, California, uh, I was, you know, I'm referring back to the same period of time actually where I was doing all the customer support and it was, you know, getting put down every day basically. And <laughs> at one point I was like, I was done with it. I was so miserable. And I'm sitting on this wall with a, a good friend of mine. Uh, his name's Franklin. And, um, I, you know, I was, I was laughing. You know, I basically hit this moment of like delirium, like hilarity. I was laughing because I was like, I can't believe it that, you know, I went from basically like being, being in tears to crying. Like it was nuts. And um, I was like, you know, I, I used to run a digital marketing agency and I, you know, it was, I, I was dealing with people and I thought, you know, moving on to software would be easier because you don't really have to deal with people. Well, I was a hundred percent wrong. And that's when I started laughing. <laughs> and, um, it was just kind of like that moment. And then um, I was telling him about how a customer had emailed us and, he, and this customer had taken lots of time to like explain why he thought it was really cool what we were doing. And in that email, he said, you know, it's really amazing. You're, you're helping businesses start and launch and that's so cool. And I, just the mere fact that I was sharing this with my friend, he turned around to me and said, it seems like that's really important to you. And I was like, I think you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think there's something there. And he was like, yeah, you need to yeah. remember that. That's what you're actually doing. And that kind of like tied huh. back to this whole concept of uh, knowing your why. So yeah. know your why. That'll, yeah. keep you That'll keep you motivated. Right. And remembering that things like that, when like one of the things that I say to my clients is, remember when you did this thing successfully, it might not have been in the same realm, but mm -hmm. you accomplished, you know, go back and think about those accomplishments because you do things, you are successful at things. So whenever you're feeling like maybe you're not being, you, you have to, you have to hang on to that you can, you have in the past and you will again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. Yeah. And I really like this thing about that you're working toward perfection because I hear a lot of business owners um, get so stuck in perfection mm -hmm. that they never get the product or service out mm -hmm. of the gate. Yeah. Done is better than perfect, as they say. Exactly. So true. Yeah, okay. I, so I, we I with that. go ahead. You struggle with that. I, I yeah, think I everybody does. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's, it's sort of an um, occupational hazard, I think, for entrepreneurs. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So if we have somebody listening who is think, you know, has an idea and they're trying to figure out you know, how to turn it into a business, are there steps that you think they should be taking in order to be able to make that happen? Yes, absolutely. Um, Everybody has an idea at the end of the day. And um, the difference between having an idea and uh, making it a reality is, is actually actioning it or, or you know, stepping towards it and, and executing. I've, I've always said that you know, ideas are cheap and execution is, is expensive. Um, you know, and I'm talking from experience. When I was younger, you know, uh, young, young, uh, like in my teens, I used to come up with ideas all the time, all the time, and I would get excited about them. And, and that in itself is an addictive process. Um, until you actually make a commitment and take an action, you're not really going to do anything. 
So one of the things I used to do when I was a, it's a simple actually, when I was a student, so very tight on money, uh, I would buy the domain name, right? Now to me, that eight pounds or whatever it was at the time <laughs> was, was a significant investment, right? Now by simply investing and buying that domain, I put myself in a corner to actually have to follow through with it. So I guess if you're looking to um, start a business and you've got this idea burning inside of you, then, then take a step towards it by making an investment. It will force yourself to action it because you don't want to waste that money. Um, that's one approach. The other thing I would say is in terms of actually starting the business successfully, there's a, there's a book by uh, Eric Reese called um, The Lean Startup. Uh-huh. I would recommend reading at least the first uh, half to three quarters of the book uh, is worth it. Um, there, uh, basically, the idea is this. So you want to validate your assumptions. So your assumption is when you have an idea that, you know, I want to, um, you know, I, I believe that people want this product, right? That's the simple assumption. You want to validate that assumption before you start investing lots of capital or lots of time into building it without knowing whether or not the customers actually want it, your, tar- you know, your target demographic. So the first thing that you could do is ask those people. It sounds very simple. <laughs> ask those people, um, you know, do you want this? Um, so maybe starting conversations and getting feedback. Um, or another nice way of doing it is creating a landing page, for example, with a button on there and just track the number of people that click that button. So it could say sign up now or something like that. And your, your landing page can be created for, you know, free or next to nothing or, you know, yeah. on all, uh, there's a bunch of tools out there to do this and then just run a hundred dollars on Facebook with like nice specific. And I need, I need to make this clear specific targeting uh, for the exact uh, customer persona that you're going for. Uh, and then you'll quickly find out whether or not there's some demand for your product. Then you take it to the next level, you know, and you just iterate it. And that's called this lean principle of like um, validating your assumptions and, and iterating quickly. So that's, that's probably my main piece of advice. I think that's really great. And, and I agree with you. It's a great book because the, the concept and the philosophy is absolutely put it out there, find out if people want it and what, and what they want about it mm-hmm. so that then you spend the money making sure that that's what you're delivering instead of spending all that money and creating something that nobody wants. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I tell you how I learned this the hard way. <laughs> um, I'm bringing out all the anecdotes today. <laughs> yeah. I don't normally do this, but here we go. Um, so uh, basically, uh, I think I was, it must've been 22 and I was actually, uh, consulting an online e-commerce, um, store, uh, they were doing prescription eyewear. Uh, it was great working there, really great experience. And, um, you know, I, I, I on the side, I'd been working round the clock. I had this idea. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. And I had, I was like a mad professor, I had paper everywhere with, how I'm going to achieve this, you know, geospatial calculations and all this stuff and how I was going to do the coding for it. It was great. It was, I was obsessed with it. This idea was the, the one, the one, this idea was going to make me the next Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, I basically, um, you know, I built it over five months. I was locking myself away. And the moment I got home from this, this, uh, consulting position I had, I would, um, code and code and code and code until like 5 a.m in the morning and my girlfriend at the time honestly she was an angel putting up with this um you know and and i basically coded until 
uh, 5 a.m. every morning, and I'd be up again at like 8 in the morning to go to the job. Oh. <laughs> it was wow. Madness. Yeah, I, I was. It I was madness. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. That, yeah. <laughs> so uh, one day I was like, okay, do you know what? I'm going to show my really close friend this. Um, I'd already showed, showed uh, the person I was consulting for, and he was like, yeah, this is cool. And, you know, that was it. But yeah. I showed one of my close friends, and he went, uh huh. This is so. This is like Twitter combined with Facebook combined with. <laughs> and he was and he, the way he said it. I would my heart sank. It just oh. dropped and hit the ground. I was like, "Oh my days! I've just wasted five months, and um, I should have shown somebody this before or shared the idea." And I got all secretive with it and protective, like this is my idea. I don't want anybody else to steal it. And this right. idea was very simple. It was a it was a social network in an anonymous sense. Uh, so basically, like the anonymous. Anonymity of Twitter, uh, combined with um, you know geospatial like geolocation-based um, hmm. uh, components. So it was like you could basically have conversations with people nearby you. Um, now this was quite current and ahead of its time as well at the same time. Um, and in hindsight, it, it was still a good idea, but um, you know it could never have competed with like you know Foursquare, for example. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I, I just wish I had actually shared it with other people. And also, I gave up straight away with one person's negative feedback. I gave up immediately. Ah, yeah, right. There's that side of it as well. So don't right. just ask one person and uh, set out a boundary for yourself and actually say, okay, yeah. I'm 10 people and then take the feedback from all 10 people instead of just taking the, you know, some one, one close friend's valued opinion because it doesn't mean they know either. They don't know. Exactly. Oh, that, that is awesome. I have to take a quick sponsor break, and then I have some more questions for you. Absolutely. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're talking with Stefan Pretty about the realities of business startup and ownership. So... Let's talk some about multicultural differences and, and, you know, I'll call them territorial differences in the startup world today, because I think those can feel challenging for some people. Yeah, you know, this is extremely current right now, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, this has literally been the topic of conversation for the last three days uh, for me and my friends. But also today, as I woke up, I had uh, messages from my head of customer support. And uh, basically, there's a bit of um, a storm going on. Uh, so there's a couple of communities on Facebook, and we, we run one of them for subscription box entrepreneurs. And um, there Stripe's uh, got very specific rules on what kind of businesses are not allowed on their platform to process payments. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and one of um, a customer uh, had been rejected due to the nature of their business. Now, I, I don't know the absolute specifics, so I'm not going to claim I know the ins and outs of it all, but um, it's created a bit of a conversational topic on discrimination. So 
um, that's that seems to be going on at the moment. And in fact, you know, we've we've um, so far lost a couple of customers due to this. Um, and it's just really interesting to see the, the dynamic of of how society is evolving in general um, and the impact that, that has on business as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the multicultural aspect, though, like we, you know, business is done differently in every country as well. So, you know, it, I'm from the UK, I'm from Scotland and, uh, you know, we, we we're quite similar to the US, but there definitely are differences. And, um, you know, me being based here, we're, we're a remote team. So we have the advantage and the edge that we have people in Europe and we have people in Southeast Asia and here as well in the US, myself. So it's, it, it's kind of given us an edge in that sense because we understand how business works in all different areas of the world. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely, we're in, in, in interesting times, you know. Um, yeah. It's so easy to travel. It's, you know, everything, everybody's a digital nomad now as well. Um, but yeah, there's, it's a hot topic. It's, um, it's interesting for me because I think sometimes we assume that everyone else does business the way we do and Mm. they don't. Right. And it's a great opportunity to learn about other cultures and how they do things and what matters to them. And there can be great collaboration if people, really listen and and you know, maybe you pick out all what's good about all those different systems and try and implement them but i i can see it being challenging at the exact same time yes yes it's um you're right there's advantages and we can learn from it and uh, implement you know the things that work for us as companies or individuals um, and that may benefit everybody as well, but at the same time, it does make it challenging, you know, because you have to navigate those waters. Um, yeah. And it's not even just—it's funny because I think in life we think about it in a in a personal sense first and foremost. So, like, you know, how do people interact with one another? You know, there's all you know, there's there's all these um, movements taking place at the moment, and uh, we don't realize that these actually do boil down to and have an impact on businesses as well. We kind of treat them as separate entities, but they're actually very weaved into the lives that we live every day. Oh, that's interesting. That, that I agree with you. That that is, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, this is a. <sighs> you can say that. Hang again. on. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a whirlwind right now and it's kind of like, it it's a little bit stressful and at the same time, yeah. it's very interesting. So it's like, yeah. you know, what's next? Are we, you know, the, the waves change direction every couple of you know days and you'll see something crop up and it's, you know, there's a massive big landslide and then all of a sudden, you know, it's the next thing. And I think just the, the, the statement I made the other day was uh, to one of my friends was society is very confused right now. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Society's <laughs> very confused. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's not that confusing, but it could be because I'm pretty much a simple thinker. So maybe, maybe this is all easy for me. You know, you do good, <laughs> you do right. You, you know, legal, ethical, moral. You can't go wrong. This is true. So, yeah. I, but I do want to shift a little because you mentioned before about how you guys are a remote team, and I think in this day and age, more and more companies are realizing the value of operating remotely that you know they they can really um, get more done and harness harness more talent Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. if they can look at things remotely. But I'm wondering if you could provide what you think are some best practices on running a remote team. Ooh, good question. Um, ooh, I think, um, I guess if you're the, the manager or the, you know, the person in charge of the actual running of the remote team and coordination, um, you need to be very strict with your bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> I know this sounds simple, but I'm, I, I, I'm a night owl, right? And uh, if, if given the opportunity or I'm in the zone, I will stay up until five in the morning. And that works with a remote team very nicely. However, you also have to uh, consider your health and uh, respect your own personal boundaries. So um, and that's difficult, especially as a founder. Um, you, you know, you're, you're pa- so passionate about your business, your baby. You, you want to spend all your time on it. Literally, you, that's all you think about. And, you know, for, for me, like, you have to be strict and say, okay, look, I'm going to bed now because um, I need to be rested and be able to perform tomorrow because you also have to work in the real world. So time zones are probably one of the hardest things you'll deal with. And it's, it's funny that we all travel now and there's all, you know, digital nomads, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is a, such a popular, you know, way of living, um, being, being one. And um, time zones are still really uh, quite challenging. Um, they're quite confusing. Uh, they, they mess your circadian r- rhythms up and uh, all sorts. So um, I would say that um, setting our parameters for everybody to make sure that it's crystal clear at what times you'll be available and um, and also setting your own boundaries. So like, for example, if you've got notifications and you can tell them, you know, tell your phone or your computer, don't ping me during these hours. Like I would set up a structure for yourself because it's very easy to yeah. lose that structure in a remote team. I think that's a great point. And time zones are confusing and they get more confusing when we do daylight savings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Then I always have, I mean, it's a good thing they have those websites that you can go to and do the conversion thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. There's, um, there's a great app that I use called World Clock Pro on Mac. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I know. It just makes it so much easier. So, um, so talk, tell my listeners about Subly, because you mentioned BizBox, right? Is that what I heard you say? Um, uh, subscription boxes. Subscription boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Okay. It's okay. So, so tell us what this is and how it helps and what sure. it does um, for businesses and startups and things. Absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll actually might as well explain this, the, a little bit of the background story. So I used to okay. run a digital marketing agency and um, I had a, a meeting with a prospect and they wanted to start a, a subscription box. Now what a subscription box is, is basically uh, you receive uh, as a customer, you receive the products uh, in, on, on every month or every quarter, depending on what your building cycle is. Um, and sometimes you know what's going to be in the box. Sometimes you don't. So there's two different main types of subscription boxes. Now subscription boxes are very, very popular and they're growing in popularity actually um, quite rapidly. Um, um, more than I actually thought myself, actually, when I first uh, stumbled across them. So, uh, you know, there's there's some big names out there that I'm just going to mention that might uh, people might know. Uh, you've got like uh, Grey's Box in the UK, uh, Dollar Shave Club in the US, Birch Box, um, etc. So the all, all these are are subscription box businesses, um, uh, or the technical term is a continuity model. 
Now, um, subscription is growing in popularity across the board in all business models, not just e-commerce. Uh, also, you know, through services like Netflix and um, Spotify, etc. So, anyway, in this meeting, they wanted to, the client prospect wanted to start a subscription box business um, for like a detox, like uh, press juice, you know, um, like oh, uh-huh. like, a pro- like a program, like uh, you know, you take this juice for thirty days, and then you, you, it was it was like a subscription model for that. And at the time, uh, there was nothing really on the market that we could use to make this uh, affordable within their budget. So that's when I had that kind of light bulb moment to um, start uh, creating a solution for it because I saw the opportunity and, and realized that these were popular. Uh, you know, I, I had been a subscriber of uh, Gray's Box myself in the UK. So, yeah, I think um, that kind of gives like a nutshell of how we started and then also what a subscription box is but um yeah basically what subly does is it's it's, a, it's an e-commerce platform uh, a turnkey solution so to speak uh, that gives you everything you need to start or add um a subscription box business when i say add i mean add it to an existing business because okay. you may have like um you may have you may do e-commerce already and have um products that you could actually offer on a subscription model or you just want to add a subscription model to try and increase the uh, lifetime value of a customer. Um, so it, it could be good for that. And it's easy to kind of snap on using like services like Subly. So um, does that kind of give a nice summary of it? Yeah, that was great. It, it, absolutely. It, it, it helped me now. But I do have one question, which is, so if someone has um, like, you know, like a consulting or coaching practice and they want to add a subscription model to it, like a, um, like a member site, they're not necessarily going to mm-hmm. send something, but they want people to be able to subscribe to, say, a, a daily email or something. D- mm-hmm. Does Subly help you know do that as well, or is it really for? So at the moment, our core competency is um, physical products, but that's okay. not to say that we do have a fair chunk of people signing up doing exactly what you just described and having like a membership portion and no physical product. Um, you know, it, we're always exploring it because our, our motto, I guess you could call it a motto, is making subscription simple. Um, nice. So, but right now our, our core competency is, you know, physical, the physical aspect of uh, the subscription models that are out there. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for this. I, I, I personally um, enjoyed this a lot because it it's sort of like light bulbs went off over my head about certain mm-hmm. things about business, being a founder, you know, being a business owner and um, staying, keeping those parameters in place and um, just the, these ideas of how do you do this and the whole bootstrapping idea was really great. So thank you for, for offering that. I know this, that people listening, whether they already have a business or are thinking about starting one now, at least have that um, foundation, that ground floor for go do something, make some sort of investment. So then you feel compelled to continue Mm. forward. That was great. Yeah. Giving, um, forcing yourself into a corner. It's uh, surprisingly powerful. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yep, it's awesome. I, I really, I'm hanging on to that. That, that is really good. I'm terrific. Glad um, so, and I like to thank the listeners and our sponsor. Uh, remember to visit audibletrial.com/businessgrowth to sign up for a free trial and get a free audiobook when you do. 
And as always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.